You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. All right, welcome to this edition of the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Matt Adams here alongside Mike Chappell, Dave Griffiths on the injured list this week. So it'll just be Mike and me, and we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, Playoffs starting Saturday. Uh, Colts will not be part of that, unfortunately. Uh, But we did hear from Anthony Richardson on Thursday, as well as Colts GM Chris Ballard. So, uh, Chap, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about. But we'll start out with some of the coaching changes around the NFL here. Bill Belichick out in New England, they announced this morning he'll be replaced with Gerard Mayo. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody talked about how with the Patriots, like three or four of these guys have Patriots ties. Of course, Belichick, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel, and there's another one. So you always wonder about that Patriot coaching tree. Oh, Josh McDaniels. Yeah, yeah. Who crashed and burned again. But no, it's really amazing. And boy, that that news cycle we had, meaning we and the media had, was it 24 hours or less with – Belichick and Carroll and Vrabel and, oh, by the way, Nick Saban. Nick, Nick Saban, legendary it's college amazing. football coach. You're talking, you know, a thousand wins and on the Mount Rushmore of coaches at any level, Belichick, you know, in, in, in all these guys. It's really amazing. And it's kind of curious how quickly the Patriots took care of their situation by having a plan in place. This is what the Colts did with uh, Jim Caldwell. When Tony left, as they they had it planned out that that now I can't remember if it was written in the contract, but they had a, a secession plan in place with with Jim Caldwell, and that's what uh, that's why anyone wondering why they're not going through the coaching search and the Rooney Rule and all that stuff, it's because it was written in the contract ahead of the season, and the league knew about it. And that's just a, a weird thing uh, because he's been there for what twenty four seasons. He's thirty seven. Oh, you're talking, you're talking Belichick. Bell, I'm, I'm Belichick, talking about yeah. Mayo. But, 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 you know, Mayo's been there. You know, he, he's former Patriot, but he's 37 years old. He's all of a sudden, he's the youngest coach replacing an icon. I tell <laughs> you, I always wanted to be the guy who replaced the guy who replaced the icon because replacing it's such a hard, Saban and so Belichick, it's going to be tough. Such a hard act to follow. And so it, it'll be weird when, when you, you – watch football next year and you, you tune to a Patriots game and you won't have uh, Belichick in his hoodie and his cutoff sleeves there. But, he'll, the but he'll be somewhere. He'll, be, he'll be somewhere. He's made it very clear that he wants to coach. And, and I'm guessing it's – what is it? Is, 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 he's 15 wins away from right, Shula. Right, the Shula record. Which, if, hey, if that's what drives you, fine. So it's, I, I can't imagine him going somewhere in the next two or three years winning a championship. But uh, everybody's motivated and good for him. If he, if he wants to coach, coach. And there are plenty of places for him to land because Pete Carroll out in Seattle, which was kind of surprising. It sounds like he wasn't exactly thrilled about uh, being out there. He wanted to stay there and stay with his coaching staff. But now he's, he's going to be advisor? An, an advisory role. I don't role. think so. How does that work? Uh, the one that really caught me off guard, uh, Mike Vrabel out in Tennessee. He is a heck of a coach. He was close to maybe being the Colts' coach a few years ago uh, when they were on their search. And uh, he's out. He's, he's a really, really good coach. He's not going to last very long out there. Ron Rivera out in Washington. Arthur Smith out in Atlanta. Not really a big surprise out there. And then we have our three, uh, uh, three teams that let go of their coaches or late in the, during the season. You have the, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Panthers. So all landing spots. You know, if Belichick wants to coach somewhere, um, there are still some places for him. And I, I don't think Vrabel's going to be out there as a free agent coach for too much longer. Talking with some people about Vrabel, and I, I just it just took me by surprise. And it appears that there, you know, internally there was something going on, ownership and Vrabel. That's that's the only explanation. And for somebody it. mentioned that sources and all this stuff. Since we're on a podcast, who cares? But that when he was inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame uh, a couple months ago, whatever it was, and he talked and he he sort of he, he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. You guys, you, you, this fan base really needs to appreciate the ownership here. That's not the way it is everywhere. Well, I mean, what do you you, you read that as a slap at Tennessee ownership? Because how many other places has he been? So I don't know. Uh, he, he, he's a quality coach, and again, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had been the Colts coach because he was one they they really coveted. Uh, so it, all of a sudden, the the AFC South has got a lot of stuff going on. So, but uh, it's kind of including Jacksonville's face plant, which was amazing to watch from afar. They didn't what Peterson fires half of his coaching staff or whatever. So, a lot of stuff going on. 
Uh, it's still unbelievable. Uh, if you were to look back to, uh, a month ago at Jacksonville even, they were going to win the division. There was no question about it. They were in the hunt even for that top seed in the conference. And then, you know, then they had to win a game to, to get into the playoffs. And it couldn't, couldn't even do that against a, a Tennessee team that was really not that, that good of a Tennessee team. But it is a well-coached team that, you know, any given Sunday any, anybody can beat. And you knew that the Jacksonville Jaguars were just going to go in and limp there and kind of tank it, and they did. We're going to find out, I think, in the next few months or weeks, whatever, that Trevor Lawrence was more injured than what – we knew he was banged up with things. But I think we're going to find out that that was more than that. I thought this all started against the Colts, was it? The thirty-seven to twenty mm-hmm. game, yep. and with, with no reason, out they, there they roll the him ball. out, and, and I can't remember who it was, whether it was EJ Speed or somebody, trips him up, and he comes out with a knee injury. So yeah, I think we're going to find out that the quarterback was more. He wasn't dinged up; he was hurt, and, and that's why, and that led a lot to their their tailspin. And, uh, of course, as we mentioned at the top of the show, the Colts not in the playoffs, but we'll go through the matchups real quick here. You have the Browns at Texans. That's on Saturday. Uh, that could have been the Colts very well right there hosting that game if they could have won uh, last week. You've got Dolphins at Chiefs uh, on Saturday as well. This one has rankled a lot of feathers because Peacock, Peacock. and NBC Universal paid $110 million, apparently, to, to hold this game. Yeah, I just – now, I, I've got – I had – I'm doing the monthly Peacock because – my AT&T with NBC, you know, although that wouldn't have mattered in this case. I'm a little irritated that the NFL's greed reaches this level. Uh, regular season, fine. But when it, get, when it gets to the playoffs, I hate to see them restrict, limit how many of the massive fan base can get this. But that's it's greed, and that's what the NFL is all about. And in the local TV markets, they will be on their uh, their local stations. So they'll be able to watch them. But if you're a Chiefs fan who you know lives in a, another state uh, somewhere, then you're going to have to pay your fi- at least five ninety nine. It's five ninety nine, and you can cancel anytime. Now, uh, I, I have an antenna at home. We don't have any cable, so we do a lot of uh, streaming stuff, and and we do keep Peacock on mostly because. For whatever reason, there's a place where we have one of those little antennas, and THR does not come in. Every other station in the market does. I've had the same issue. And so uh, in order to watch Sunday night football, which you know I like to watch, I watch Notre Dame football as well, NBC is the place for that. Big Ten's doing basketball on Peacock now, like IU and Purdue were both on Peacock last week. So you know there, there is a reason to, to have that, but I don't know that the, the outlay that they're making is leading to the subscribers and the advertisers and the viewership that makes up for a $110 million payment to the NFL. But and, they pick, and they picked the one game that's probably the most intriguing. Yes, yeah. You got that right. Dolphins team against the Chiefs. And it's going to be like, you know, 50 below zero. Yeah, and, and super cold conditions. Ugh. So uh, rest of the, the playoff schedule on Sunday, you've got three games. You've got Steelers at Bills, Packers at Cowboys, Rams at Lions, and then uh, oddly again, uh, the NFL – Monday night football with a playoff game, Eagles at Bucks. Who and cares about short, shorter weeks? They just don't care. They don't, do they? Not in, in the postseason, you think they would, but uh, I guess they don't. But that's the six games for the playoffs. I uh, would also like to mention uh, coming out this week, Jim Ursay uh, recovering from respiratory illness. He's usually accessible, usually out in public. Uh, we see him a lot. Seems like we haven't seen him in a little bit, so he's been sick. The team's saying that uh, severe respiratory illness, uh, receiving some excellent care. Have you heard anything else about well, that chap? Chris Ballard mentioned yesterday, he was asked that. He said uh, he's stable and he's working through that. Now, Whatever stable means, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, he, it's been a couple, two or three weeks since we've seen him. Because, you know, whenever they post the post game with Shane Steichen, he's there. Right. So, yeah, I and again, I go back 40 years with Jim. I consider him a friend, and you just hope the best for him. And um, hopefully he'll be back uh, running the team normally uh, very briefly. Perhaps we'll see him on Twitter, and he'll let us know that everything is, is fine as he is – want to do. All right, before we get into the, the meat of our show in which we're going to discuss what Anthony Richardson and Chris Ballard said during their respective news conferences yesterday, we do want to do a quick rewind of the way the season ended for the Colts with a 23-17 to loss to the Houston Texans. Um, it all kind of came down to fourth and one. That's that's what a lot of people will think of for this game. Uh, Chap, what did you think uh, a little bit of that last play and kind of how, how the game went for the Colts? A lot was was made and is still made about having – he was a fourth-string running back, Tyler Goodson. It wasn't third. He was fourth-string running back. Uh, 
it's, it was a perfect play. I mean, that that's one. If you draw it up, you're going to say, well, hopefully we'll get this, and you got exactly exactly what you wanted. All it took was the quarterback making a ten yard throw, and I've seen tougher catches, but you've got a running back sort of moving away and trying to prepare to get the first down, and it's low and behind him. And again, let's keep in mind that now I think he may have scored. If he got a better throw, he might have scored. Cut inside Pittman's block, and you don't know. They still would have had to score if they convert the the, the the fourth down. Just make it an easier play for your running back. And and talking to Rick Venturi, he thinks one of the biggest plays, maybe even bigger than the fourth and one, was the 75-yard touchdown on their first play. Set the tone for the it rest of the game. It set the tone, and you're playing catch-up. And, you know, Gus Bradley will be back as coordinator, which rankles a lot of people. And – my biggest complaint, yes, he's playing with a secondary that was young and experienced, and that was that's on that's on Ballard and mm-hmm. the personnel people. But when the other team has virtually one player, one player, skill player that can hurt you, and he goes for one ninety five, one ninety six, that's just that's inexcusable. He had let's not forget that in the first game he had like hundred and forty yards. So we had like 300 yards, 350 yards in two games. That's what bothered me. And there were a ton of receivers that had 120, 140. They've got to get that cleaned up. But for all the anti-Gus Bradley people out there, you know, too bad he's coming back. Well, and Nico Collins had 74% of C.J. Stroud's uh, yards. Uh, you know, in, in receptions in, in that you, you game. You do whatever it takes to not let him be the guy. And and he's the only guy, that, because they didn't have, at least the last time they played, they had Tank Dell. That guy could could get you a little bit. But nobody else on this this roster, in the wide receiving core especially, is going to scare you. So you've got to focus on that guy. And, and I guess maybe some sort of missed communication or some sort of missed assignment back there in the secondary. But you cannot let your rookie cornerback go one-on-one with that guy and give up a 75-yard touchdown. Because at that point of the game, the Colts had gone downfield. They'd scored the field goal. Would we have loved a touchdown? Yes, of course we would have. But the crowd was really into it. Like when when C.J. Stroud got there and he was calling the play out the line of scrimmage, you could hear through the TV broadcast anyway, that crowd, very, very loud. As soon as he throws that ball, everybody sees him running past Juju Brents, nobody back there in secondary uh, for safety help. And then that was dead silence. And there, there, there had, they had to have safety help. I, I don't know what Nick, Nick uh, Cross was doing. They, they, did, they only had one other guy out on the route. I think a tight end was underneath, mm-hmm. and they had that covered. I, I, I don't know whether that's a result, again, of going with young players. How many times this year did we see touchdowns in the corner or the secondary? They're pointing at each other uh, in the overtime against uh, the Rams with, with the rookie, uh, Nakua. Holy smokes, he, he's wide open. Yep, Kenny Moore, Juju Brents, and they were communicating before that play even happened, and then, and then they were like, we missed So, missed, again, uh, that's, they, they, they sort of set themselves up for this, and then it, it certainly didn't help with Isaiah Rogers' suspension and you know Juju Brents. One of the things we'll get into a little bit with Ballard talking about the secondary is Juju Brents barely practiced. He misses all the offseason with the wrist. Training camp, he has a hamstring that bleeds into the season. He starts back. He has this issue. So it wasn't a lost season by any stretch. But when you're a young player, you need, you know, regardless of what Allen Iverson says, you need to practice. And it looked like also on the the the, tech, the second touchdown from the Texans, there was some miscommunication too because Rodney Thomas let the fullback run by and went to cover a guy in the flat that was already covered. I believe that was Rodney Thomas's only defensive snap of the game. Mm. Man, and we've been kind of wondering why he hadn't getting getting uh, as much playing time as he go. did last year. Maybe maybe that's that's why. Uh, they, they they kind of wasted an incredible game from JT. Uh, Thirty carries, one hundred eighty-eight yards, forty-nine yard touchdown run set up by probably the most impactful, the second most impactful pass that uh, Minshew threw in that game. He found Kylie Granson for twenty-three yards. He made sure not to lead him into the defense. So they, that and then the very next play, JT took it to the house, six point three yards per carry. Uh, I know a lot of people like, well, why didn't you just Handed to JT on fourth and one, and I think the reason is because on third and two he barely got a yard because they at that point had kind of uh, gotten stouter. And in the he middle. was hurt. Remember, he went he, to the locker left, room, yes. and, and yes, he came back and had eight or nine, seven or eight carries on that drive, but it wasn't the same. No, no, just he, the, it he, was not. And was it on second or third down? Second down, 
when he picked up like nine yards, maybe it was first down, and he kind of veered out of bounds. Yes. If, and if, if he's more, you know, himself, maybe he plants and, and gets the first down. So that's one again. When it doesn't work, do something else. I, I can – we're talking about the fourth and one with the incomplete pass. And let's say they go fourth and one and they run JT behind Quentin Nelson. And he gets stuffed because there, there have been times this year, it even happens. in that game, where it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. Now, then, the, the, then the criticism is, well, I can't believe you ran an injured running back on the most important play. So do, do something else. Do something. When it doesn't do work, something, do something else. Do something else. It, um, was, it was a 10-yard pass for crying out loud. Complete the pass. I was kind of surprised. It, it's too bad a little bit uh, that they um, – had to go, they went for that two-point conversion earlier, and they did the pot pass to Mo Ali Cox because if they hadn't had to do that earlier in the game, I think that's what we might have seen here because that play has worked for them a handful of times very, very well this year. They've always got that list of four or five plays that if we get in this situation, two-point conversion, fourth and one, we saw that three or four times this year. Yes. They're not gadget plays. They're just plays that if the situation's right. And again, when it didn't doesn't work, do something else, but – as Shane Steichen said, and people hate to hear, we got the look we wanted. We got everything we wanted except, you know, except the completed pass. And what's really crazy, and it sort of drives it home to me, the value of Jonathan Taylor, the 188, and and, and you lose. Remember his 1,800-yard season, which was the, the greatest season by a Colt running back ever, and you don't make the playoffs. Missed him. Yep. You've got to have no matter his 188 was the second most yards by a Colt ever in a loss. Marshall Falk had 192 against Baltimore, but it just shows you that no matter what the running back does and however great he is, quarterbacks got to make five or six plays, uh, or you're not going to win. And, and I hate to be cliche, but a team also is kind of what it is sometimes. And with the Colts this year, we, we've solved some situations where, hey, they got a big sack on second down. It's third and 16, and the other team converts. And we saw that a couple of times on that the, the go-ahead drive from the Texans where the Colts got him into a second and 20, immediately missed a tackle, gave up a 17-yard pass play, then gave up a first down. They had three of those plays on that drive. It was unbelievable. Uh, it just it drives you nuts. And they had a first and 20, and that got erased on a, on a second 14 by – uh, what I thought was a throwaway, but Nico Collins makes this incredible catch on this throw. So, you know, basically what I'm saying is quarterback play, being able to make plays in the passing game. Uh, when you can do it, you can win ball games, And when you can't, then you find yourself on the short end of the stick here. And no turnovers for the Colts. Uh, technically, they had one at the very end of the game on the, the, the laterals, but right. like the offense didn't turn the ball. Over. And that, they had been like, it was like 18 and two in their last 20 games with no turnovers. So, and, and that, that was always the, the, the major blueprint for this Minshew team is don't turn the ball over and you got, you know, you're, you're pretty good. They right. were, they you were like got a five, chance. They were like 5-0 and this year. But, uh, and, and we'll get into it a little bit later or next week about the backup quarterback. And he was the reason that they were in that position to get him to that position. But I still, I mean, he, he just had an awful game, 140 yards passing yeah. and Gosh, it was just he, – he wasn't under major duress on that play. Just complete the pass. And, and Stroud was uh, almost – I think he doubled or almost doubled his yards per completion in this game because right. it was just when they could – of course, some of that's the Jonathan Taylor effect, especially in the second half. You're not passing as much. But but even sometimes when those plays were there, uh, they just could not quite get to go. Mo, Mo dropped one, too, on uh, what would have been a nice catch. So – Oh well, you know we're gonna we're gonna move past because Please. there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about this game. They lost. They're out of the playoffs. Uh, nine and eight, the final record there, and uh, third in the AFC South because uh, Jacksonville still has the tiebreaker on them. Uh, but we will move ahead. Well, that's to, a good thing, though. That means you'll get a third place schedule. Well, that's true. That's Which true. one thing people need to keep in mind? It used to be that when you've got the last place schedule, when you got the first place schedule, it was more impactful because you played more games based on that. Now you play three you'll play three games against teams at the same spot in the standings it, it's it matters but it's not like it used to be yeah and so, because you've got what four game or six games against divisional opponents then four games each against the conference and that leaves those other three against right. the third place teams uh with the 17 game schedule so uh we'll move past uh, the 2023 2024 season we'll look ahead at 2024 the colts are already uh, on their way to doing that uh, because one thing they did yesterday is they made uh, anthony richardson available for more than 20 minutes yesterday 
And, uh, you know, we, we have talked about the, the, the guy before. I, I tend to call him a kid because he's still so young, um, and uh, which is dumb because I'm 43, so I'm not exactly, you know, super, super, super old. But um, just the, the guy, the kid, um, just sat, seems to have such a good head on his shoulders. And it was uh, really nice to, to listen to him yesterday talk a little bit about his shoulder injury and his recovery and kind of how he approaches football. Uh, what did you take away from him yesterday, Chap? Yeah, he, the, the plan is for him to start throwing in February, which is a good thing. They don't, you know, OTAs, or not OTAs, but the offseason program starts probably early April. So he's on a good timeline. But I just – I'm always struck by – we had, before the season began, we had the four or the seven or eight of the core people that cover the team sat down one afternoon and talked – Like it was like an hour. And you're just struck by the maturity level. Remember, he brought his family with him to town to sort of keep him grounded because if you're – you know, at the time he would have been 20. Can you imagine dropping a 20-year-old in a new environment – with not a lot of leadership or structure. I mean, holy smokes, things that you can Recipe get. Recipe for disaster. Oh, what, what could go wrong? Yeah, well, exactly. you know, let me, let me give you a list of 10. But I, I, I'm, I've always been struck by that. And, again, he, he talked about how he considered not having surgery, but th- then everyone everyone looked at the long-term uh, benefits, and s- surgery was the right thing. He played – he started four games – 173 snaps, not what we anticipated for his rookie year, but that's one of the reasons where Ballard was going back and forth between being discouraged, disappointed, and encouraged. Because last year at this time, he didn't know who his head coach or his quarterback was. Way different this year. And now he's got them both. And he, he Ballard, he, he's, he's pretty smart. He said, you know, he, he – he, kind of boosts Richardson, but he also not too much. He said, let's not crown him yet. Uh, so so he also said that about uh, Jacob Eason several years ago. But but it, it, it's – the quarterback, I thought we saw enough of him that he gives you reason to believe. Got to stay healthy. But I, I was, I'm very struck by just the mental makeup of – he's 21. I mean, how many guys that are 21 are, are, are this put together mentally and grounded? So I, I'm encouraged. Yeah, he decided it was in the best interest to have surgery. He kind of consulted uh, the, the, the training staff, consulted a few different doctors, his agent, his family, and they all kind of said, you know what, uh, just be best for you to go and, and get healthy. So he went ahead and did that, got the surgery, and, uh, you know, it'll all be about the shoulder next year. And then a little bit about, like, are you going to change your playing style a, a little bit? And I think the takeaway for me is not really, but we are going to try to be a little bit smarter situationally. So if we're in a first and 10 situation and all I can get is four yards and go out of bounds, I'm going to get the four yards and go out of bounds instead Don't of – Don't burrow and try yeah, to get three more. No reason to lower the shoulder to get three yards that you can easily pick up on the next play. And, and that's what they went through, and Ballard referred to it, with Andrew Luck. He said they're very similar in terms of their their mental how they're wired, and th- this was a this was a career long internal battle with Andrew Luck, and you could say maybe it contributed to a short career. I don't know. I mean, the, the supporting cast around him had a lot to do with it as well. The offensive line, but yeah, it, it's no win to say win, and that's easy to say in a meeting room on a Thursday. And when you get out there in a game, you're just the instinct. That's what Chris Ballard said. He said, Andrew, he said, why did you do that? Well, he said, I guess my instincts took over. Uh, but but there, there's got to be a time. And it's a learning, it's a learning curve. Uh, we said at the time, and the team, for whatever reason, didn't agree with us, the concussion. He pulled up. He eased up going yeah, into the end zone. Didn't need to do it. And he got whacked by the safety. And, you know, the whack would have been okay, but then he smacks his head on the ground. And like Ballard said, things you could get away with in college, you can't get away with in the NFL. The players are bigger, they're faster. You know, if he runs through the tape, the safety doesn't hit him in the end zone. They just don't. They've learned you can't do that. And the other the other injuries were just sort of, I don't say fluky, but they were playing football. We really didn't get a good look of the of the knee that he banged on the turf. But but the shoulder injury that put him out. 
man, it's just a football play. He's tackling from behind. See, looked like a tackle. How many times since then, whenever I see a play like that, whether it's a running back or a quarterback, and I'm thinking, boy, that's that's when Richardson got hurt, and the guy pops up. Yeah, and he's he's totally fine. Right. So it's it's just bad luck. But but it's having said that, there needs to be times when Richardson knows enough is enough. But for people to think they're going to harness what this kid is, they knew exactly what they were drafting. That's why you drafted him. They're not going to turn him into a pocket passer, although Ballard said he was very impressed with his ability to play out of the pocket. But this is who he is, 6'4", 240. And we've seen what a Lamar Jackson can do. Absolutely. And you, you look at that. What would they have done fourth and one with Richardson? That's uh, one of the colleagues uh, here that that I work with is is from the te- is from Texas, so he's a he's a Houston fan, and uh, we we talked about that, and and we were just kind of like, man, I think if it's a fourth and one situation, you got Richardson out there, it's just so completely different because you have this almost unlimited bag of tricks that you right. can pull from with him out there, and then he can bulldoze people in a situation where you need to. Yeah, and and, and again with. With Richardson going, or with JT going for 188, that might have been 250 right. with a quarterback. Because you've got to account for Richardson as right. well. And, and I'm not comparing Richardson with where Lamar Jackson is. I'm just saying the type of player and the type of threat, you just have to play the Colts differently with Anthony Richardson. And keep in mind that Richardson and Taylor were on the field for one play this year. One play. And so the, moving forward with, with Richardson – with JT and with Michael Pittman, a- adding some pieces around them. That's why there's a there, there's a bright light ahead. And, and, and keep in mind, I mean, I can't remember the exact statistic, but the Colts were one of the teams that I, I think they may have used RPOs the most of any team in the league this year. And at with time, Minshew. With Minshew. And, and just imagine how effective some of those, because at times that offense could be very effective, and then other times they were just sort of in this uh, coma and, and didn't do anything. But just imagine some of those plays with Richardson and, and that run threat actually being something that you have to worry about. And that's what, again, four games, four rushing touchdowns. The franchise record's five by a quarterback. I think he was still third in the team in rushing touchdowns even yes. at the end of the year. So, again, I, we've seen, again, what a Jackson, a Jalen Hurts, what those guys do, especially maybe when, when you get – Red zone, close to the goal line. The threat those guys present is unbelievable. Uh, it's going to come down to keep him on the field. And that's, that's again, you take precautions as much as you can. I don't know what they work on in the offseason. I mean, physically, drills work on because it's going to come down to him realize it's, it's his decision, judgment. When do I try to extend the play? When do I say enough's enough? And that, that's going to be more on Richardson than anything the Colts can do teaching-wise. Now, uh, one thing he did mention is that the the injury, because obviously his his right arm, and that's his dominant hand, was immobilized, is that he got a little more comfortable with using his left hand. But you don't think we're going to see any left-handed throwing, do you, Mike? No, we asked you because he said he, he he was sort of playing around with, with learning how to th- or being better at left-handed. We've seen some left-handed throws by quarterbacks here, and they're not pretty, and they don't. They, <laughs> no, they, no. They, he even threw one, I think, left-handed during the season, incomplete. But, no, you said he could throw maybe 30 yards. Accuracy wouldn't be there. But that's what I like about him. He, he, he gives you personality. And, you know, we've had a lot of players, not just quarterbacks, players who, who have great personality and can't play at the right level. This guy seems to be the entire package. I even I said early on, I compared his, his maturity level to Edron James. Uh, from, from their upbringing and how they approach things, if he even remotely approaches Edron James, not on the field, but how he 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 worked, he understood. Like like Ballard said, you've got to understand that the fun is in the process. The process during the week gets you to Sunday, so you've got to understand that and, and embrace the, the process. Edron James always did that, and I think this uh, kid. 21 year old will do do as well. Yeah, well, and so that uh, kind of wraps up uh, our thoughts on Anthony Richardson again. Uh, good to see him up there. Uh, always compelling up on on the podium uh, in front of the microphone. And the kid just seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. And I mean, sky's the limit uh, as long as he can uh, continue to develop and stay healthy. And I think the Colts, 
uh, couldn't be happier, any happier with their current quarterback situation, not just because they finally have a guy after being on this carousel for several years, but from a financial standpoint, and Ballard mentioned this, and we'll go into it a little bit, is that compared to some of the dead money and some of the big contracts. Matt they, Ryan counted $37 million, I yeah, believe, yeah, I this th- year. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. And, and so compared to what they've had to deal with that in the last few years, uh, those big quarterback contracts bringing everything down from a financial standpoint, having to manage those. They've got a guy on a rookie contract right now. They're not paying their backup quarterbacks a ton of money. It does give them some freedom to, to if they can do it, find a playmaker, you know, get an edge rush, do something uh, impactful in free agency. Yeah, you're, in, in four years or so, he's going to cost you, you hope. Say, yeah, yes, you, exactly. you, you hope he's going to cost you $50 million. Who knows what the market – I mean, I throw that out there now because that's what it is for those guys now. What's it going to be in four years? I mean, holy yeah. smokes. I mean, remember when Luck had signed the, the richest quarterback right. contract and it looks uh, does not compare very favorably right. to, to some of the current deals these guys are getting. So so the, the, the onus now is on Ballard and his personnel guys to maximize these next, let's say, three years of having a very, very affordable – I was going to say cheap – affordable quarterback – that's that's where you make hay with locking up players, your own players, and it, and selectively, maybe more aggressively in the open market. And, and you've you've got to do it because uh, after that, uh, if you do end up picking your fifth year option up on the guy, which you want to do, then that's going to be in a new contract, a second contract. It's going to be very expensive, and then some of but that, that. But again, that's a good thing. It, it's a good thing, but then your options on yes. adding pieces become a little bit more limited than than they would be currently. So uh, we heard from Ballard yesterday. Um, we've seen uh, Chris Ballard be uh, jovial at some of his end-of-the-year press conferences. The last couple of years, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, because of the way 2021 ended. Still, obviously, bitter about that because he actually brought that up yesterday. Nine and six, and we're rolling, and, and there was a disconnect. And he even took it a step further, and he said, a lot of that's on me for the players I brought in. My mind went to one player, but... He didn't go quite that he did, specific. He didn't mention by name, but we'll say the CW uh, on here. Uh, and, and, and Dave's not here to defend 27-7, but that's that's who he was talking about. It was. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just and it, unprompted. Didn't even need to do it. Mentioned it. Um, that Carson Wentz there, of course, uh, being the, the implication. And then uh, 2022, obviously miserable year they fired uh frank reich mid-season they brought in jeff saturday it turned into kind of a clown show on, on all all methods of, of of measurement for a football team and so he was not super jovial but this year a little bit different he spoke for like 50 minutes 55 minutes something along those lines he covered a lot of stuff uh, i've got some bullet points down here i'll go through a couple of them real quick he said it was a fun season even though uh, you know right afterwards obviously very mad didn't want anybody in the building didn't want to talk to anybody about it but upon reflection once you get a little bit of distance from that fun season and that tells me he didn't expect this team maybe to do a whole lot this year and the way that it did end finally was not great, but the end of the year, getting into the position that they were, kind of a surprise to him and, and also uh, satisfying. And, and that's why you have to look. That's why I say you balance being really disappointed about how close you came to, to knowing what what the future holds. There, there's so many pieces in place. Uh, there's you know if if you had to prioritize right now. You need to help them in the secondary corner safety, uh, and I'm not talking about re-signing your own guys. And they, I think they could use maybe a tight end. They need a receiver. I don't care what they do with Michael Pittman. They're going. They're going to. Pittman's going to be a Colt next year. He just is. But you still, you still need another. I think you need a number two. You just do. I thought they totally underused Alec Pierce. Now he did. Part of that's on him, but there, there's ten or twelve plays when he's running free free and the quarterback doesn't seem doesn't trust himself so those are the ones that jump out at me secondary and in wide receiver but there's just a lot of young encouraging pieces in place and that's why he was able to look ahead and he had a lot of good things to say about as rookies I, I mean I know Juju Brents uh, suffered through some injuries this year and, and tried to play through it and then he, he missed several games because of that uh, but Jalen Jones uh, very uh, Chris Ballard very high on on that uh he was a seventh round pick seventh round yeah. I, I thought he struggled but he was a seventh round pick 
And, and, and you threw him out there. Yeah, and, and he, he also knows that, you know, they, they didn't expect Isaiah Rogers to, to get suspended. They didn't expect Dallas Flowers to uh, – three, three or four games into the in, season. In the season, lose what is, uh, you know, your, your, your top uh, – <laughs> even he's not that experienced, See, but he, I, he's your top corner. That, that's what I, I – we, we semi-joked back then that it, it told you the state of the secondary is when – you really missed Dallas Flowers. Yeah, I mean, Daryl Baker was essentially a rookie that you're starting right. out there. He had uh, struggles, but anyway, he 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 liked what he saw from Jalen Jones. He likes what he saw from Brents. He thinks that you know Richardson's got a good future. Uh, Daniel Scott, who was a safety uh, for them and, and tore his ACL in training camp, he said some interesting things about him about how you know that guy, even though he had this bad injury, didn't miss a single practice, and we're really looking forward to getting him uh, healthy next year. Will Mallory as well. He thinks he's developed well and probably. Probably uh, developed into one of their better, their best uh, catching tight end. So Dallas Clark type, type. I mean, I'm, I'm not comparing that at all, but that that that's the the kind the of role. the role, right? Yeah. And, and to Blake Freeland, Blake Freeland. I mean, holy yes. smokes! So many and, and people are stupid. They really are. Well, he starts playing, and then well, Braden Smith's going to count. 18 million or whatever next year. Well, maybe we can just move on from Braden Smith, and we got Blake Freeland. No. Blake Freeland showed you at very least he's going to be a quality swing tackle backup. And, and you'd love to have those guys. Yes. You just don't want them starting 17 right. games. As a rookie, they threw him out there like they did with Ryman last year. Uh, so, but and, and Bernie played really well. I think Ryman showed you that he is their left tackle of the future. And he's still growing into the positions. So I was going to say, the, the more we do this, I keep saying, this is why Ballard – can look ahead and, and, and feel pretty good about where they are. And he was also very happy with the play, and, and I, I think fans were too. Offensive line showing a lot of improvement. Uh, uh, my goodness, uh, essentially the same unit from last year, and then we, we did see Freeland play quite a bit, but uh, coaching change there made all the difference in the world. Pro football focus, believe what you whatever you want to put into it, had him the third-ranked offensive line in the league. As much as the offensive line – was to blame for last year's, what did you call it, a clown show? Yeah, I did. I okay. called it a clown show. And, and it was. I thought they were responsible for how well they were this year. Quentin Nelson played top level after struggling last year. Ryman played well. Ryan Kelly, he's, I think, he, what Quentin's a pro bowler. Ryan Kelly's a, he's a, an alternate. An alternate. You know, Will Fries and, and both – Braden Smith in, in, in Freeland, so really a really a strong group. They should be back next year. We ha had a nice exchange with Ryan Kelly about returning, and he, he said, "Where are these speculations coming from that I'm retiring?" And he was sort of agitated. Now he can change his mind, but bringing these guys back and in the influence of Tony Sperano Jr. is amazing. It's amazing, and, and you know sometimes you wonder about position coaches. Uh, he might have been their biggest addition in the offseason last year. Because th this was a line that we had seen a couple seasons ago just be able to take over games. And then right. last year that was just uh, not a thing that they could and do. And they were pretty much healthy last year. Right. It, it wasn't injury-related. It was performance-related. That was the one move they didn't make last year, the position coach, and you wondered why. Of course, now Chris Strasser's in the playoffs. With Houston, so I, I don't know. But but offensive line played really well. And if you can build on that next year again, maybe add another interior guy. But this, this line's pretty well set. And, uh, you know, he's uh, also uh, Steichen. Always dialed in. All ball. I, I do think that a lot of the Colts, and, and I know I, they, they missed the playoffs. It was only a 9-8 and eight record. But this was a team that was not expected to do much of anything this season. And I, I think a lot of the credit has to go to Shane Steichen and what we saw just schematically from him and just the way he's able to kind of uh, motivate his players and connect with his team. There, there, there are, are always plays in games you criticize for what for – what, because that's what the media does, we in the media do. But by and large, I mean, God, there's a dozen plays that we remember, including the fourth and one. It was schemed up perfect. You know, the Zaire Franklin plays on, on short yardage, and I thought he was able to maximize Gardner Minshew. Absolutely, I 100%. Mean, it, 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 we saw Gardner Minshew. Th this is who he is. And, yes, he had those two awful games against, was it Cleveland and the Saints? 
with four turnovers yeah, with each the, game. Yeah, the multi-turnovers. But by and large, he, he, he was one of the primary reasons they got there. And again, I, now I say again, I, I put a lot of not going further on him, but that's that comes with the, with the job. But I thought Steichen did a really good job considering it was his first year as head coach where all of a sudden he's not just worried about the offense, preparing the offense. It's everything. You know, he's probably sitting there on a Tuesday preparing for the next game, and somebody says, well, what about uh, this meeting time or whatever? And that was never his issue before. Now he's got the entire team he's got to oversee and, and direct. I thought he did a magnificent job. And again, the idea of him working with Richardson only as they started moving forward. Remember last year, it was until like the second week of training camp. It, it was now we, we knew where it was going, but at the same time, they, they, were, they were sharing snaps between Richardson and Minshew. Moving forward, it's going to be all Richardson all the time. You just kind of in, you're very intrigued by where Steichen and Jim Bob Cooter can take Anthony Richardson. It's that's such a good point, Chap, because uh, they did do the most that they could probably do with Minshew this year. At times, very good results from that. Other times, uh, not. But uh, when you think about the athleticism and everything that Anthony Richardson can bring to this offense, you think about maximizing that and just sort of you, you start here and you grow and you grow and you grow. It is. I hope to be very immensely satisfying for Colts fans. Well, now, you know, go back and look at what how the the, the emergence of, of Jalen Hurts in Philly when Steichen was there. So yeah, it, it's very encouraging, and uh, and again, they're going this roster will come back largely intact as, as much as it can, but they're going to add they're going to add three or four pieces, and in in year two, Steichen can maybe have a louder voice, although I think he had a loud voice this past off season, but now he can see, you know, we need a, a strong running pass catching running back that they really didn't have. Uh, I don't think that was, that that's a, a top strength of Jonathan Taylor or, or was for Zach Moss. So maybe, you know, boy, wouldn't you love to have Naheem Hines now? <laughs> Man, wouldn't it be nice? I mean, so I think we can look for that kind of a player, but uh, you know, I, I think year two is, is really uh, the arrows certainly up. We've talked a lot of offense. We talked a little bit about defense, but a lot of Colts fans have been calling for Gus Bradley to, you know, hit hit the road. And that Steichen says he likes continuity. And Ballard said yesterday he's under contract. I don't expect that Gus is going to be going anywhere. No, and again, I, I it's funny. I always defer to Rick Venturi, the longtime NFL guy who's who's very out there with local media. And he, he said something's got to change. They've got to change their approach. He probably wouldn't mind if they, the change right, went deeper right. than that. But, you know, we, we need to see better play in the secondary. We need to see more, really a more consistent pass rush, although they had franchise record sacks. Yeah, and, and they they weren't garbage sacks or anything like that. But right. we do know that in key moments when they needed to get to the quarterback, right. it it didn't happen sometimes. Right. So so there, there will there has to be changes in the way you do things, more man-to-man, whatever. And I totally understand Bradley protecting the young secondary because I think what he would have said is, if we do more man-to-man, you saw what happened in the first play uh, against Houston. Well, you know, give that guy some help. So, But, no, there needs to be some changes. Maybe they they need to bring in Rick to offer his advice, which they won't do. But but, but no, he, I, he will give it to them freely. Give, and he does. I mean, <laughs> he, he does he, on the radio. He, he goes on the radio. And he, he gives them what for. And, and I always defer to Rick when it comes to defense and things because he's he's smart and I'm and he's dumb. got a great great defensive mind. Right. Coach with some so, great coaches. So we'll, whether that's something we're going to notice, what they do uh, in in training camp or whatever, there there has to be a philosoph- philosophical approach to how they play defense. Since apparently, since not apparently, since they're not making a change at coordinator, and then uh, we won't. We'll take a more in-depth look at because you know we, we've still got we, we've got content to make and stuff. So we don't want to do it all, uh, but we'll take a more in-depth look at free agency where it stands for the Colts because there's a pretty long list of guys. But he did mention a few yesterday. Um, one of them, of course, being uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who I think showed this season how essential he can be to this offense. Pitts is really a, an interesting guy because you want more. 
you 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 want you, well you, no you want Jamar Chase you want Justin Jefferson yeah, you want a guy who can just blow by guys and, and to this point that's not been him I think he thinks he can be that just from talking to him uh, he said you know it's funny we talked to him on Monday I guess it was and he says he's going to do his due he owes it to himself to do the due diligence and he wants to find a place that's the best best fit and maybe we'll incorporate the deep ball occasionally with him. I don't think he even sniffs free agency. I just don't. Uh, whether they get him locked up with a long-term deal or the franchise tag, uh, and we can argue mar- mar- it's, it's, mar- it's market-driven. It is. But it's also driven by how they've built this roster. There's no plan B for no Michael Pittman. You, you can look. You, you saw what it's like without Michael. Oh, Atlanta, that Atlanta. Was, that was awful. That that was you know vapor lock when nothing worked. If you needed uh, Exhibit A for uh, why you should re-sign Michael Pittman Jr., and I know it's just one game, but my goodness, uh, what that offense became when they found out the day before that Pittman was 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 not going to be able to play. What we saw in that game, very scary stuff. Well, and again, it's just the way they've approached this with with Pittman. He. I don't think he's top ten. I just don't. I he was fifth in the league in receptions, but I think he averaged ten point five or ten point nine. Yeah, it's in the lower part of the right the, among receivers anyway. But but that doesn't diminish his value to to you uh, to the team, and this is going to be similar to the Quentin Nelson situation, to where you hit on the draft pick, and when it came time, you had to set the market. On a guard, on a guard, and they paid him what they paid him, you know, an enormous contract. Now Pittman's in a more premium position, obviously, but and I've talked to Rick about this as well. Is he's he's not the kind of guy in Rick's view and in a lot of people's view that you sink twenty three, twenty five million a year in. But if you don't, what? That's why you know I I tend to think they're going to get the long term deal done. And we can get into a few of Ballard's comments uh, when he says the market is what the market is and, you know, this, that, and the other. And he mentioned, you know, maybe you don't want to pay $4 a gallon for gas, but you need Sometimes gas. Sometimes you have to, so yeah. You, got, you, need, you need that for your car. So I, I think they're prepared. Now, Pittman's got to be reasonable, whatever that reasonable is. You know, if Pitt's coming in here saying I'm going to get – I need to get $25 million a year – I don't know. Are the Colts going to give him four years, $100 million? I don't know. The franchise tag's 21.7, and it was kind of clear that Ballard doesn't want to use the franchise tag, and he's not worried about any ramifications, you know, with maybe, not maybe, but. You know, holding out or, or not, not holding not out. Not holding but, out, but, but not showing not up showing until, up, until right. I don't know. Until you have to. Late August, which is not conducive to growing your quarterback. So the long-term it's funny, we were talking last June in the press room about JT and his situation, and we're throwing, yeah, just sign him to three years, $42 million, and be done with it. And then that's exactly... It took him four weeks to do or it took him forever to do it, it felt like. So, so I, I, I do think they, they are resigned to the fact, if that's the right phrase, that they're going to overpay for Michael Pittman. If you don't, it's the franchise tag, or failing that, which that would be crazy to let him go, you're going to overpay for somebody else at the market, whatever the market is, because we don't know what the market is because teams won't let guys get out there. So, I, again, you you want more. You want a, 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 a receiver that brings more. I always compare it to Miles Turner. You want more, but he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's lacking in this, that, and the other. But I think to get a long-term deal done just because it's it's their best option, and just from some of the things that Ballard said when he kept saying the market is what the market is and sort of sometimes you have to follow the market. And he also said, you know, uh, we, they have a really good relationship. It's an honest one, sometimes oh, I, too I honest. They went, there was, a, I think it was, uh, who, it was Pittman, told us that at one point after when he wasn't getting the ball much, he went into Stike and then Chris and said, hey, I need the ball more. And, and that's when he started getting 10, 12 targets. But he was getting eight or 10 before that, so you know, but but I do think they have some pretty. Uh, I won't say I won't say contingent. I'll say heated, because Pitt, I tell you what, everything about Pittman, he is a he he knows his business, and some of it's self serving, but that's fine. 
He's an intense dude, man. Yes, he is. And he is – He is. If, if you would mark down the top four or five traits of a, of what Ballard wants in a player, Pittman checks them all. Checks them all. Checks them all Absolutely. off. Absolutely. He, he is that uh, horseshoe guy. Uh, but, again, when, when you're right on draft picks – you you you're going to overpay, which is again we talked about with Richardson in four years. That's a good thing. It's a it's a it's a problem. No, it's not a problem. It's an issue. It, you've got to work around it uh, right. from a cap perspective. Whether whether it's whether it's uh, uh, Quentin Nelson or Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly further back, uh, Shaq Leonard. Uh, when when you've got those guys, you 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 would much rather much rather. Overpay for your own. Kenny Moore. I mean, I, the names keep popping in my head. You'd much rather overpay for your own than overpay for players from other teams, even accomplished players from other teams, because you know your guy. And they've got uh, – he did mention a few other guys. Uh, the, the Colts do have a long list of free agents. We're not going to go through every single one of them, but we will touch a couple that uh, – touch on a couple that, that Ballard mentioned yesterday. Grover Stewart. Uh, he's a big fan of Big Grove, and we've also kind of seen what happens to the defense when he's not in there. Uh, Rigoberto Sanchez, the, the punter, I wouldn't think that that would be, a a hard one, for, would be a hard one to keep. All, all, the, all the controversy when they signed Matt Gay to, was it $4 million, $5 million a year? Yeah. In, in the realm of the roster, that's nothing. It, it's peanuts compared get, to what get, you're paying. Get your punter done. He's a top-level punter. Get it done. That's one less thing to worry about in the offseason. Uh, you mentioned Kenny Moore. He'll be a free agent. Um, you know, he had a, a pretty nice year this year compared to last year where he seemed a little bit lost and despondent in the defense. They, they used him a little more effectively this year. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, great rotational player, uh, one of those guys who, who can bring it all the time, uh, has had some injuries. The Colts have kind of stuck with him, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Julian Blackman's another really interesting one because he uh, emerged as a real playmaker in the defense this year, but unfortunately he has been a guy who's been riddled with injuries. You hate to say a guy's injury-prone or what have you, but the reality is you can't necessarily count on a full season for Mr. Blackman. And, and maybe that's reflected in the, in the contract. Some of these guys – probably have more value to the Colts true, th- true. than they do elsewhere. So now whether you try to get it, these guys with, with – and the Colts, have, I think, have generally been fair with guys. They really have. But but I just – it's much better to, to, to get a guy done as opposed to letting him go out and see what's out there and then, hey, if, you know, we'd like to have a chance to match whatever you get. That's always risky. But whenever the GM – he, he he seldom, not seldom, he hardly ever talks about contract specifics. He just doesn't. But when he takes 30 seconds, a minute to talk about specific players, and these are all guys he talked about, uh, you, you just you put that on your radar. Say, put, put your antennas up right. a little bit. And again, Taekwon Lewis, he might be the most efficient player they've got as far as production and time on the field. And this was the first year I believe he he played in every game or all but one. I think he played in every game. You know, Gardner Minshew. I don't know what to do with him. It, it's it's kind of a tough call. It really is. I we were talking in the media room again. Nate Atkins with the Star. He thinks you and I, and I agree with him. Ideally, you find a guy more more similar to your quarterback. You know, with, with more run possibilities and, and and as opposed to, you know, I I think it's fair to say that. Minshew and Richardson aren't similar at all. No, no. There's, there's not, not similar in size, not similar in ability. It's not like Minshew's a smaller version of, of no. AR or anything like that. He's, a, he's just smaller. He's just smaller, exactly. <laughs> but does Minshew think after what he did this year, he can go somewhere and, and be a starter? I don't think he's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. I just don't. But if he thinks he can get – go somewhere where there's a better opportunity because when he comes back here, he will be number two. He will definitely be number two. Barring injury, which, again, we saw what – It could happen again, right. unfortunately. Uh, so, you know, he won't sign. I think he got – it was one year 3.5, and he got two millions in incentives. I don't think he's going to want to resign for $5 million. I just don't. At the same time, Ballard made it very clear that they saw this year the importance of a backup. So they're not going to just have some – body here to be to hold the hold the clipboard it's gonna be somebody they believe that if it, if it takes two or three games this guy can come in and win games 
which we've not always seen that be the case. No, we, we've had a quarterback who had two bad angles have to play a game because they could not start the guy that they had drafted in the fourth round. Jacob right. Eason would be uh, the guy, you know, and then he came in and promptly threw an interception. Uh, right. During the headlight looks, I will never, ever forget it was, an awful, it was an awful situation. Awful situation it was like, like your kid. own 10 or 15-yard line. But still, you want a guy. Minshew's, Minshew's ideal if you need those two or three games. Go back to the two games that came off the bench. Yeah, tremendous spot Houston, starter. Houston and Tennessee, I mean, great. But then the longer you, the longer these guys play, now, so far Joe Flacco's sort of gone against the grain. But right. Josh, Joshua Dobbs. You know, he, he yeah. was, lit the league on fire for a couple weeks. DeVito, and then, was it Tommy DeVito? Mm-hmm. With the, so, so at some point, but you need to have a guy. If you believe that, and Ballard said, we should legitimately contend for the division every year, and which they've not won since 14, I believe it is, yeah, which is right. ridiculous. It, it, it boggles the mind. But but you need to have a guy that, that with again, with the Ray Richardson plays, there's probably going to be a game or two that he misses just because you need a guy in, in Minshew-like talents or, or, or experience level is what you need, but they may go a different direction just because of his asking price. Yeah, and, and if Gardner wants to go and there's a team out there that, that needs a quality quarterback that can get you through a couple there's of a things. There's a few of them out there. You know, you, you – can't do much worse, really, honestly, than, than what Minshew brought to the Colts this year. All right. Uh, and we'll touch on one more thing real quick from uh, Ballard, and then we'll, we'll wrap things up here. Uh, he did address some of the suspensions that the Colts had this year, and uh, they, well, they've had eight players either suspended Seven or on, suspensions on the suspensions and then and one. The exemption. Li- and, then, and then Drew Ogletree. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, and his take on that was basically people make mistakes. It doesn't mean they have a bad character. Yeah, he said there's football character and personal character, and you hope to have great on both. It it it's, it was really a hard issue for him to comment on. Yeah, you can't. There's not much you can say, honestly. No. Uh, but and, and what he said is, and is accurate, is that they they did some wrong and they were punished. And you know, we'll see if any of these guys figure into the future. I don't think Drew Ogletree has a future in Indy. They've already cut Tony Brown. Isaiah McKenzie is a, uh, He's a free, free agent, agent, so you don't do anything with him. So, yeah, and it's just, it's just that, yeah, you, you can't, you, you, you kind of cross your fingers. You try to bring in the right type of people, but you can't have, you know, the old choir boys at every position. But seven suspensions, holy smokes. And, and a, and it just a, seemed like one after another this season. Right. Like, like, as dramatic as last season was, the 2022 season I'm referring to, it seemed like there was something happening with this team every week. Grover Stewart for six games with PEDs and Muhammad with PEDs and two guys for gambling and the personal conduct thing with uh, McKenzie and, and Brown, which we still don't know. Still still, still got the lid on that. Nope. And, and, and I said, that's one thing, too, that, you know, kind of when things were going bad for the Colts last year – Things kind of got out here and there. This team is just clamped down. This organization just clamped down on some of this stuff. And maybe that's Shane Steichen at the top. Well, Ballard at the top, and then Steichen and keeping keeping things in house. But 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 there still was accountability. Right. There were two or three players who didn't play well, and and they were benched. Yeah. Daryl Baker was game day he- inactive for a while. And, and a position they need, they need right. help. Where they, where they didn't have a lot of depth. Uh, we always talk about that, depth versus quality depth. But they're like, well, we're not getting what you need from you, so we're going to just stick Tony Brown out here. Now, it didn't work out at all. We, we want to see what Tony Brown can do. But that's, that's a reason to play a guy? That's where they were. Right. You know, in, well, in that De- Deion Jackson is their starting running back. Gone. Gone. So that, that's accountability. And, you know, no, you know Shane Steichen isn't a guy who's going to call out players in his press conferences, but but they you see the accountability in, in actions by the team and by the coach. Yeah. So uh, overall, you know, uh, yeah, disappointing start uh, end to the 2023 season. But now as the NFL does move into the playoffs, you've, you've got these teams that uh, are, are looking for coaches, uh, not sure what they're going to do at quarterback. And at least for the Colts this year, those are two things they do not have to worry about. Going through coaching searches is just – 
gut-wrenching from a media standpoint. I can imagine what it is. What, they interview like 12 or 15 guys last yes, year? Yes, it, it it's seemed to take forever. But so, they did the right thing, and they, they yes. wanted to be thorough about it, and they landed on the right guy. You've, you've, if you, I still say the quarterback is more important than the coach. It just is. I, we've seen a lot of really good coaches uh, – who, who don't succeed because they've got the wrong, you know, look at Bill Belichick's career. Yeah. When he had the right quarterback, pretty good. When he didn't, pretty makes, bad. Makes all the difference in the world. So, but, but they, but they've got both things they've got right now four. you know, what Jim Merso always talked about is four pillars, four, four, four legs to a chair with the owner, the general manager. And you can argue whether Chris is the right general manager. That's open to debate because of the lack of overall success than the head coach and the quarterback. So, again, the future – fans are impatient, but the future does appear bright. All right. Well, that'll wrap things up for this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. If you wanted to hear what Anthony Richardson and Chris Ballard had to say, we did post those bonus episodes up on our podcast stream, so you'll find those there. Find us on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. We're out there. We are out there. Uh, for Mike Chappell and for Dave Griffiths, again, on, on the injured list this week, I'm Matt Adams. Thanks for listening.